0: Now let's look at our scripture that can be found on the inside of our bulletin, and this should be Luke 8:22 through 25. And it appears that I grabbed the wrong sheet. Does someone have Luke 8:22 through 25? What's that? It's a mess up by me. I tricked Vicky into putting something else, uh, and so I will read it to you. Uh, that's the way we work here at Redeemer. It's uh, such an exciting place to be, frankly. Let me find that. Luckily, we know all know this scripture, so let me find it for you. This is Luke eight twenty-two through twenty-five. You do all have Bibles right there in front of you, uh, and so you can grab the scriptures. Luke eight twenty-two through twenty-five. Luke eight twenty-two through twenty-five. Hear the word of the Lord. One day Jesus said to his disciples, Let's go over to the other side of the lake. So they got into a boat and set out. And as they sailed, he fell asleep. A squall came down on the lake so that the boat was being swamped and they were in great danger. The disciples went and woke him, saying, Master, Master, we're going to drown. He got up and rebuked the wind and the raging waters. The storm subsided and all was calm. Where is your faith? He asked his disciples. In fear and amazement, they asked one another, Who is this? He commands even the winds and the water, and they obey him. The word of the Lord. Let's not run that video, Ron. Thanks. Well, I don't know about you, but hurricane season has started. And in fact, it's one of the uh, biggest hurricane seasons in uh, probably seven, I think eight years. There have already been 13 Tropical storms uh, which fit in the hurricane. They've been given a name that are uh, skittering across the water uh, as it looks to be a, a, quite a season for hurricanes uh, across the globe. In fact, right now, I don't know if you saw the, um, the pilot online, but the weather forecast, cloudy, highs in 80s and high risk of rip currents. In fact, yesterday there was a storm advisory. They didn't let anyone in deeper than uh, the knee, because of the strength of the water that's pulling uh, people out. Well, that's the result of Tropical Storm Grace, which formed off the Azores Islands and is heading our way. And, you know, everybody's trying to do the math and is it going to continue? Is it going to intensify? Uh, Or is it going to peter out? We don't know. In fact, it was just about a month and a half that Tropical Storm Erica hit the Eastern Caribbean, uh, leaving 20 dead in its wake. Fairly serious uh... tropical storm hurricane there you know these things these tropical storms they're forming all the time we don't exactly know why they pick a certain place and they begin they just start to build and the way it works is there is a uh, there's a particular area in the water where there's low pressure and there's moisture high in the air and for some reason this convection tower begins and air starts to rise and if the wind is shifting just in the right way, when the, uh, the heat rises and starts to tail out, some of it comes back in. And as it falls, it starts to create this spin, if you will. And a hurricane is born. How many of you were around when Hurricane Irene tracked along the coast on August 27th? I remember it well. How about Isabel in 2003? Anybody here in 1969 for Hurricane Camille? Tremendous amounts of damage that were done by these hurricanes, these storms that came up. There's no way you can control them, by the way. They just do what they want when they want. You simply track them and try your best to get out of the way. Well, it appears that the disciples are heading into a storm. We should be able to identify with the story, no? We all understand what it is when a storm pops up on the horizon. Some, they sort of form a little bit slowly. We see them coming. We wonder. Others, it's instant. We're, of course, not just talking about environmental storms. We're talking about life. The storms of life. The phone call. The strange feeling that you're getting in your neck. The trip that you take and that person that comes out of the corner missing the green light or the red light because they were texting storms that just pop up on the horizon some that have about this much power and some which overwhelm us wouldn't it be great if there weren't storms in life my wife and I we went to the Dominican Republic a couple of years ago we had a great time we were enjoying a glass of wine every now and then we were uh, scuba diving well the Dominican Republic got hit by tropical storm Erica two weeks ago that would not have been a good 20th anniversary if we were there would we Would it have been? No, the storms arise in life, and so the question is, what are we to do with them? Jesus is leading these people into a storm. I find it interesting that this is the second time Jesus is with these people on the water. The first, they experience, or at least some of them, the miraculous catch of fish, right? What a party, what a great time. And yet, I want to suggest to you that they're going to experience God in a totally new, unprecedented, and necessary way, even deeper than the catch of fish. Because life is a series of storms. But the mission of Christ is not to bring us victory from the storm, rather to give us victory over the storm. And so this story is all about Christ coming into our hearts and replacing fear with awe. And so what are the lessons we are to learn today? I want to suggest to you three points that Christ is trying to make through this passage. Number one, our home is in the storm. We better get used to the storm because our home is in the storm. But equally, number two, the eye is in the storm. There is a place of peace amidst the tempest. And finally, number three, the best news of all, that God is over the storm. That we need not fear when we are in the storm because god is over it. Well, let's take a look at this passage. Number 1, our home is in the storm. What do you mean by that, Carlos? We see in verse 22 Jesus was teaching. And one day Jesus said to his disciples, "Let's go over to the other side of the lake." So they got in the boat and set out. Jesus had a way of doing this, by the way. He would be uh, preaching and the disciples had decided to follow him, follow him, and he'd get this huge crowd and then Jesus all of a sudden would say, we, we need to leave. Well, what do we need to leave? We've got something going on. And Jesus says, I must preach the good news to the other cities. He, he had a way of his own. It was random, if you will, in the eyes of the disciples. Well, Jesus does it again. We've got to go. And so they got into the boat and set out. If you look at actually the uh, parallel passage in Mark, we discovered that the disciples were not alone. There actually were some other boats that went along. And it sure seems like the women went along as well. So Mary, all the Marys, they're there in this flotilla, if you will, going into the storm. So off they go. Well, what about these boats? They're fishing boats. We've got some expert sailors there. You know, by the way, about 20 years ago, they actually unearthed an ancient Galilean fishing boat. Ancient fishing boat. About 27 and a half feet uh, along by 7.5 feet wide, by 4.3 feet uh, uh, high. Okay? So not an insignificant boat. I don't know if you've ever gone out on the lake. You know, usually the smallest boats, 18, 19, 20 feet, usually 22. It's a fishing boat. It's designed to carry a crew. Probably all the disciples were in there with Jesus. Maybe a couple more, I don't know. And as Jesus gets into the boat, he decides to fall asleep. Now, why does he do this? First of all, he's a carpenter. He's not a fisherman. He's not a sailor. This isn't his area of expertise. And second, he's tired. He's been preaching and teaching and giving his heart out to all of these people. It's one of the things I love about Jesus. We can identify with him because he was just like us. He was fully man and fully God. And he is utterly exhausted. And so he gets up, there's this sort of bow platform in the back, there's a cushion and he falls asleep. And as they're going across the Sea of Galilee, eight miles by six miles uh, wide circumference, uh, eight by six, whatever that is, it says in verse 23, and a windstorm came down on the lake and they were filling with water and were in danger. The word came down is actually correct because the Sea of Galilee is about 600 feet below sea level. And so you know sea level, it's right out there. Well, the way the topography is in Israel, you have these mountains and hills surrounding the Sea of Galilee, but you go about 600 feet down before you actually get to the lake. And so what you have is a very, very big bathtub. You know how you have the water and then you have the lip of the bathtub? That's what it is. But because of the the hot climate, what happens is the air gets very hot in there and starts to rise. And as the air flows over the mountains and hits the hot air, you have a combustion that these unbelievable storms would come out of nowhere and come down. It's called a hurricane of wind in the Greek. Indeed, Matthew calls it a seismos, an earthquake. It's like the entire water lake is moving in these high seas. How big? I don't know. You ever been in a bathtub where you start to shake stuff up? See, the danger about a situation like this in a storm in the ocean, the waves are symmetrical, right? Because they can land on shore. Well, in a place like this, the waves are not symmetrical. They're asymmetrical because they're hitting the sides and they're coming back in. And so these men who have worked the water for 20, 25 years are experiencing the greatest storm of their life. Over 30-foot waves, I would, I would say definitely definitely based on what I understand and have read. You've got a situation here where they clearly think they're going to die. In fact, it says they are in great danger as the boat is being swamped. And so what is their response? Panic. They go panic and crazy because they know enough to realize that death is on the door. Now, they're trying to fix the situation, right? With their seamanship, they're trying to solve the problem. It's clear that they're trying to bail. They're trying to use whatever giftedness they know because they're really not interested in whoever this person is behind them, right? All their energy is outward facing. But at some point, it seems that they run out of options. There's a resignation as they turn to Jesus. And indeed in one of the other gospels. They actually accuse him. Don't you care. That we are dying. We're dying Jesus. What's Jesus response in the midst of this storm? First of all he's a carpenter right? Not a sailor. If anybody should be waking up right now. It should be the carpenter right? Right? And yet Jesus is asleep. I can only think of two reasons why Jesus is still asleep. Number one, he's darn tired. His body is so exhausted. But no, we've got adrenaline. I think the reason that he's still asleep is he's totally at peace. How can Jesus be totally at peace in the midst of the storm? The reason is obvious. Because he chose the way. Right? Was He not the one that said to the disciples, come on, let's go to the other side of the lake. He is the architect of the storm. And so you see a clash with this hot air and cool air as the disciples clash with Jesus. Jesus is oblivious. Don't you care? But we know what Jesus does, right? He wakes up. Does this unbelievable miracle which we're going to talk about but then he says this he says where's your faith now normally when we hear that normally when i've heard that i think he's saying where is your faith don't you realize that i have the power to save you from the storm i think that what actually jesus is saying is where's your faith don't you realize that i've led you into this storm That everything that is going around you has been orchestrated and controlled and is under my care. You're exactly where you're supposed to be, Matthew and Peter and Nathaniel. Where's your faith? If I led you here, will I also not care for you here? The Lord is my shepherd. He leads me beside stormy waters. No, somehow He makes them peaceful. Jesus is leading the disciples into the storm. And the truth is, He does the same with you and me. Why does Jesus do this? I sure would prefer door number B, right? Find Jesus total peace doesn't seem to be in Jesus' plan. As I've thought about this question, why does Jesus lead people into storms? I think the first point that I think of is this. I fear what I would be without the storm. Without the storm, I would be an arrogant, proud, haughty person that had no need for God and in fact believed that He was God because there was nothing that I could not handle. I think that's the way all we are, aren't we? There's some sense of redemption in what God is doing, leading us back into the storm. As John Newton, the slave trader, wrote, I ask the Lord that I might grow in faith and love and every grace. Might more of His salvation know and seek more earnestly His face. T'was He who taught me thus to pray, and He, I trust, has answered Prayer. But it has been in such a way as almost drove me to despair. I cannot know the power of God until I know the ineffectiveness of myself. He's changing and shaping me. As these waters dash upon the rock, so is the storm dashing upon my soul. Jesus has lead, leads us into the storm so we might find Jesus in the storm and so we might overcome this world. John 17, Jesus prays to the Father, I have given them your word and the world has hated them for they are not of the world any more than I am of the world. My prayer is not that you would take them out of the world but you, that you would protect them from the evil one. Indeed, John in his letter says, for everyone who has been born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. Who is it that overcomes the world except the one who believes that Jesus is the Son of God? We've been in the storm before, haven't we? It was the apple. Don't eat from that or you will surely die. We've all succumbed to fear and a greater power but God did not come simply to give us victory from the storm He did not simply come to rescue us from this earth He came to move us to a position of authority over this earth in Christ life is full of storms it's a broken world that Christ is sending us to and it's filled with uncertainty And we are consistently being faced with powers that are greater than us. And we want to panic. But Christ is saying there is now someone new in the boat with you. And I will teach you how to live and how to overcome. But the only place I can teach you this is in the midst of storm. Ruth Bell Graham, the daughter of Billy Graham, wrote this. Dear God, let me soar in the face of the wind, up, up like the lark, so poised and so sure through the cold and the storm with wings to endure. Let the silver rain wash all the dust from my wings. Let me soar as he soars, let me sing as he sings. Let it lift me all joyous and carefree and swift. Let it buffet and drive me, but God, let it lift. The third reason I believe why Christ leads us into the storm is because you cannot rescue someone in a storm until you no longer fear the storm. Jesus has placed the mantle of ministry on us as church. Yet how can we go into a world of darkness if we have not faced the storm ourselves first and discovered and experienced the power that lifts us in the wind. Our family goes to bush gardens a couple times a year usually and uh, we love doing it, making the rounds. Some of you do that. Well, some of you know Maria, our daughter, who we've had about six years. Uh, uh, You know, Maria didn't grow up at the beginning of the bush gardens era and so we had to slowly introduce her to roller coasters. Well, so you start out with the Elmo roller coaster, or whatever that little one is right there. It's actually my favorite, but I usually keep that quiet. In fact, I can't believe I said it just now. But it was time for Maria to hit Apollo's chariot. It's on. You know, she's 12, pretty much. So we decided it's time to take the plunge. The boys, we rally her on. Smooth coaster. Maria's always sat there at the bottom, you know, watching as we all get there and we kind of come back and our hair's all like this. and It was awesome, Maria. As we're driving to Bush Gardens, Maria, what do you think? You want to do it? I don't think so. <laughs> no, Maria, you can do it. Okay. And so we go, we put her, we lock her in. Boy's on one side, I'm on the other side. This thing's going to be a home run, right? And so it begins. And as we are exclaiming in utter jubilation as the G's hit us, we look over and as I look at my daughter, I see sheer terror as she is slumped over, never having experienced G-forces of this nature before. She's utterly beside herself in sheer terror. I'm trying to awaken her. I'm here. I'm with you. Look over here. Maria cannot even get her head up. As we go round and round, and I begin to pray to get little Maria back to the station. Was this a wise decision or not? Let the jury decide. But you see, I do not want Maria to live her life watching the roller coaster from the sidelines. She was meant for so much more than that. Now, if I, who am an imperfect father, think that about my daughter, how about God and you? What is going on here with this storm, God? It is in the midst of storms that I've experienced the awesomeness of God most. As I play the timeline of my life, it is in the storm that I learn who God really is and who I can be. And as I begin to understand that it's God who's leading me into the storm, I can lift my head and look around. God, what are you doing? Because surely it is good for if you brought me into the storm, you are with me. And you brought me here, not that I would fail, but that I would succeed in you. Our home is in the storm. God wants us to become comfortable in it so that we can triumph over it. Well, how do we do that, Carlos? That's, that's a great talk. Let's go watch football. No, we need more than that. What we need is the eye. This brings me to my second point. The eye is in the storm. It's interesting that as Jesus, in verse 23, He falls asleep and this, uh, this squall comes down on the lake. Now, I don't know about you, we said Jesus is at peace and so forth, and I think He is. But this boat is being deluged by water. It's an open cockpit boat. So how is it that Jesus is not being awakened by a giant wall of water landing on Him? I guess the only answer would be somehow the water is not hitting Him. Well, God can't do that. Of course He can In every great hurricane, there is an eye. In fact, the more developed the hurricane, the more developed the eye. It's clearly defined. It's about 20 to 40 miles wide. And it is the center of the storm in which the storm pivots. In fact, it's very interesting that the biggest winds are right at the edge of the eye. We may have a couple of slides of this. I don't know... uh, Ron, go ahead and put up slide one. Okay, this is an example of a giant-sized hurricane. You can see the eye right in the center. In fact, you can see through it to the sea. There's little to no clouds and little to no wind. Next one. This is actually the wall of a hurricane. There's a plane inside of it. You can see it down here. And what happens is this wall, it actually, this is called a stadium effect because the clouds begin to take this giant 20 mile stadium effect. In fact, if you just step out of that eye right into that wall, that is the fastest wind of the entire hurricane because it's whipping around. And yet, right inside the wall, there's peace. One more. There is one eye in the center of this storm, and it's on a little platform resting. So weak. I mean, who would think that that is the safest place to be? And so they come to the the eye not seeking peace but in terror and frustration and anger. The question they were supposed to ask Jesus was not this don't you care that we're going to drown? The question they were supposed to ask Jesus is this what do you want us to do? Because who says that Jesus wanted to stop the storm then? Jesus stops the storm when he's ready to stop the storm but what Jesus promises to do is to give us peace in the center of the greatest storm see the first thing they should have done is run to the eye of the storm because what they need is not for the storm to stop what they need is reassurance Lord I need peace peace because my life is upside down. And once they receive peace in the eye, the second thing they need is direction because they have no idea what it is that they're supposed to do. Because the reality is this, they are outgunned. They are out of answers. They are seasoned fishermen who do not have a clue because their solution is supernatural. So the solution for them and for us is to find the eye in the storm. His promises are in the eye for you prepare a table before me in the midst of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil and my cup overflows. For he will cover you with his feathers and under his wings you will find refuge. His faithfulness will be your shield and rampart. And you will not fear the terror of night, nor the arrow that flies by day, nor the pestilence that stalks in the darkness, nor the plague that destroys at midday. For even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Where are you going to find the eye, my friends? It's right in the middle of the storm. It's right behind you. The way you find it, though, is you've got to take your eye off the storm to find the eye. You have to believe that the answer to peace lies not out there, but in the one who is with you right here. My wife and I have one of those sleep number beds. She's 90, I'm 10, I think. It's, one of, it's, it's, it's not good, frankly. Nonetheless, it's a big bed. And I don't know about you. But if your kids have ever had nightmares before. As our children will have from time to time. In the dead of the night there is a knocking. Sometimes not even a knocking. It's just an opening of the door. And this shadowy figure looms. And right away we know what's wrong. Do you have a nightmare? Yeah. Come on. For that child. The safest place. And the eye of the storm is between Lee Ellen and myself. And once that child gets in, the nightmares are still out there. The memories continue to rage. You ever woken up and you have a nightmare still and it continues to radiate and yet there is peace because you're in the eye. The reality is out of the hundred nightmares that you have on a weekly basis, about one may come true. Ninety-nine of them are phantom storms. But they're still storms. And we have to deal with them. Christ did not come to give us victory from the storm. He came to give us victory over the storm. From fear of the storm to the awe of the Lord. And so our home is in the storm because the eye is in the storm. Because my final point, God is over the storm. He got up, rebuked the wind and the raging waters. The storm subsided and all was calm. And he awoke and he said, peace be still. And the wind ceased and there was a great calm. The word rebuke, actually, the same word is a muzzle. Same word I say to my uh, 14-pound dog, shh, Shh. boom. That's the power I have over my dog. I did some back-of-the-envelope calculations, and if the Sea of Galilee is about 64 miles in circumference, that means it has 238,000 gallons of water. I know that you know all this. Water weighs 8.3 pounds, And to stop one gallon of water moving five feet takes about 16 kilowatt hours. I know you know all of these things. So to stop just water moving five feet, so you should probably multiply these calculations by 100, to stop the entire Sea of Galilee takes about 1.4 quadrillion kilowatt hours. New York City takes about 104,000 kilowatt hours per minute. So just stopping the water five feet would power New York City for 25.5 years with one word. Shh! Where is your faith? Luke says something, and I'll close with this thought at the very end of this passage. He says, And they were afraid, and they marveled, saying to one another, the only place where he actually puts both of them in the same place usually it's they're either afraid or they marveled why are they afraid well i think we know why they marveled right i just explained that why were they afraid who then is this that he commands even winds and water and they obey him my children would never run into the room of a stranger and jump in, looking for safety. See, we're either going to have fear, and this isn't fear of God. This is fear of the storm, or we are going to have amazement. Marvel is the same word. Wonder is another way to translate it. The storm will cause us to fear. But if it drives us to the eye of the storm, we will experience a different kind of fear, a marvel, as we see God do the impossible. Have you experienced God do the impossible in your life? I know I have. Our family has experienced a storm that I never, ever, ever wanted and never, ever thought we'd survive. And yet the Lord is in the middle of the storm. And what we have experienced as we have leaned upon Him is amazement. We were not called to live timid lives. We were called to live wondrous lives because the God of the universe who is the storm over the storms, has entered our hearts. I don't know where you're at right now and I don't know what sort of category storm is brewing in your life. But it's off the coast somewhere. It may just be over and you're picking up the pieces. Nobody loves storms. One day there will be no storms. But God is in the middle of the storm. And the secret of a Christian life is not running from the storm, but running to the Lord. Our home is in the storm. The eye is in the storm. And God is over the storm. May your life and your family and this church be like that eye that as people look in, they see power, which leads to peace, in the midst of the storm let's pray Lord I thank you that you say you never leave us or forsake us for surely we would run into the storm and be perished Lord we don't want the storm but we do want you and you're in the storm because you want to show us that we are more than conquerors through you who love us and so help us to take our eyes off the storm long enough to find the eye Help us to cling to you first for reassurance and then to seek your direction. For if you call us to run into the storm, will you not be there with us? And will you not bring us victory in amazing ways? You are good and you are powerful. And so we trust you. We pray all of these things in Christ's name. Amen and amen.